Okay, so, quick rundown, uh, and then we'll get started. What was, I'm, what was that? It's a brisky. That was the 20 23 flavors of Dr. Pepper. Oh, okay. I don't know, I think you only got 20 in there, I think you were missing three. I feel like they're going to come up here but in, a, in, a, in a minute. See, there you go. First off, sir, don't ever disrespect the greatness of Dr. Pepper. I'm not. I'm just saying I, it's, that seemed like only, only, only part of those 23 flavors, those 23 amazing flavors. <laughs> Caleb, are you I still with us? Uh, he's on mute. Oh. I got, a po- okay. I got a podcast buddy right now. Finley's in the chair looking at me. Oh, like, nice. Dad, it's afternoon nap time. Why are you talking so like, loudly? What are, we, what are we doing? Um. So, so we'll get in. We'll, we'll introduce. We'll talk a little bit about how we get through uh, international breaks. Um, and I'll, I'll try and wax poetic a little bit about that. U.S. men's national team. Just a quick, a quick thing. And I, I've got some notes on that. And then uh, England national team, which is in action. They play again on Wednesday. And then we'll talk a little bit about the Brazil Argentina shenanigans. Um where the, the Argentine players were out on the field playing and the Brazilian officials came out and said, you lied on your papers and didn't quarantine properly. Um, and they had to stop the game. And then I've got a lot of notes on transfer deadline day, um, just kind of going through what all happened. And then we'll do a Premier League sort of so far, quote-unquote, so far in review. Um, the biggest thing that you've been surprised for these first three weeks and maybe any amendments you want to have to your initial pr- predictions or thoughts on the season. And then uh, I'll give a rundown of the weekends, the upcoming weekend's games. God, thank God it's back. And then top- Dude, this has been absolutely crushing. Like I, yeah. I've been severely depressed. Oh, me, yeah, we'll talk about that. That's, that's like, it's, it, it hurts, especially this one. I don't know why. I think it's just because it's, like we went without it for so long, and now it's back, and then it went away again. Um, and then um, we'll do top shelf picks. So top shelf picks this week. I have Leicester against Manchester City. Um, that's on Saturday. Arsenal Norwich. I thought that would be kind of a fun one to, to pick. Uh, also on Saturday. And then the Sunday game is Leeds Liverpool. And I thought that would be a fun one to pick too. So um, that would be a very yeah. fun one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, at at Elland Road, that one's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited for that one. Um, uh, so those are those. We'll go over the the table, and that's kind of how we'll wrap it up. Um, and I I'm gonna have to include some of our opening discussion here. <laughs> okay, <that's laughs> maybe fine. it's a cold open because uh, it's really funny. Um, I was gonna say. So fun fact about this Leeds Liverpool matchup: uh, the sports radio station in Dallas I am obsessed with um, did a uh, did a, did a a Friday fun bit where the biggest sports geek of them all, Bob Sturm, had to uh, had to guess uh, the answer to a question. And one of them was, can he name either of the uh, Liverpool of the Leeds United goalkeepers for this Sunday's Liverpool versus Leeds United match? And he was not able to. Oh wow. Which it's made me feel good because I yeah. Well, okay. Uh, the the guy is a is a basically Troy Aitman's like analyst 
for his Fox games on Sunday. So he he spends most of his week like lining up like talking points for Troy. <laughs> Finley, why are you so adorable? Yeah, I know you're sleepy. I know. All right, Caleb said he's in kind of a bad a bad spot, and so I know. I'll, we'll try and we'll just work. We'll Caleb, if you can hear me, we will work you in as best we can, um, and we'll kind of make it. A segment That's what your show. mother said last <laughs> night. There he is. He's back. <laughs> At least I think that's good. <laughs> All right, let me get. We'll, we'll get this started. Um, he hello. took that ivermectin. He's, he's feeling a lot better. <laughs> I'm twelve beers deep. <laughs> you can get a lot of it in. You can get a lot of it there in Alabama. Um, hello. Uh, on this uh, day of labor, we are coming to you uh, on We Ate All the Pies International Break Number One of the season, um, and we're all we're all pretty beat up by that, at least at least a little bit. Um, I am Adam. Uh, I'm actually coming. If my voice sounds a little bit different, it's because I'm coming from a different room of the house, and that is because the room that I usually do it in, um, the spare bedroom, is occupied by my in-laws. Um, so I've come to the only other place where I'm not echoey as hell, uh, and you can actually understand me on the microphone. Um, Jordan is back with us this week. Hello, Jordan. Hello, hello, there Adam. He is. <laughs> this has been a very depressing weekend. It has. It really has. And I don't know if that's because like it, it was here, and then it went away. Like, like we, we, we went without, I think, proper fans in the stands football for so long, and then we had it back, and it was like, oh, this is, this is fantastic, and then it went away. But this is how I don't. I usually get this, especially on the first international week. I it, I feel lost. You know, summer I can prepare for, but I cannot prepare for for some reason international breaks. They just sneak up on me every single time. Um, and you might hopefully, I, I fingers crossed, you will hear um, Caleb, who uh, is with us again this week. He's actually on the way back to Macon, Georgia, from visiting his family in Texas uh, over the past week. There he is. You can you, you will you'll know when when Caleb is here by the sound of the road, um, the sweet American road that he, <laughs> that's that's the wind rushing through right here. There it is. There he is. How are you, Caleb? Like General William Tecumseh Sherman, <laughs> oh blazing the trail to Atlanta, <laughs> cutting my way through the South. You do sound distinctly Southern this week. I don't know if that's just because of where you are or having been down in Texas for a week. Actually, I imagine the Georgia accents a lot. A lot deeper, or um, uh, it's a deeper South. I don't know if you picked that up yet. Yeah, I just I live in. Uh, this is the world I live in, Adam. <laughs> it's, uh, just I've been so far. I've been in Texas, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. So it's a good. We're, it's, we got a good Southern draw going it's, on. It's, it's the Confe- It's the tour of the Confederacy. Um. So, I, I, just real quick, you know, Jordan and I were, were we were kind of talking about this. How 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 you get through international breaks, I think, is is kind of a fun, a fun discussion. I found myself this week craving some, I don't know, just some kind of of club football action. I like international football; I'll watch it, but it's just not the same. And so I I loaded up the old Football Manager 2010, and I decided to start a new campaign. And I'm starting just because I feel bad for them, and because of what we've been watching. 
the, their downfall this week, and I feel like 2009, 2010 was sort of a, a, a big moment. They had a lot of good players. I am I am the Arsenal FC manager trying to guide the Gunners past their fourth-place trophy days and into the heights of, uh, of, of Premier League title contenders. Um, so that is how I am getting through this break, is just sort of going back into some, some nostalgia. I tell you, Arsenal had some really good players. Van Persie, I, I, I think this is at a time when we all thought Bentner was still going to be a, a, good, a good player. Aaron Ramsey's new. They still have Cesc Fabregas. It was high times, and my how, how times have changed. Um, Caleb, just because I want to hear more of the Sweet American Road, how, how do you get yourself through international breaks? I imagine college football let, uh, sort of soften, soften that blow. Well, I got depressed, so I drove 850 miles to go see my family. <laughs> so, and I, ate, and I ate some carbs, so that was that That's was a big my deal answer. for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What 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 were your favorite carbs? All of them. They're okay, all pretty perfect. good. <laughs> I miss them. I've been doing keto off and on for about two years now. So yeah. Any chance I get to uh, to eat the carbs? Although not all carbs are made are made uh, are made equal. I did make cinnamon rolls for the parents and um, nice. my youngest. My younger brother and his wife this morning, so that was that was probably probably a highlight. But yeah, no, I mean college football. Honestly, I didn't watch that much. I didn't watch that much college football. I mean, a big part of it was because I was with my you folks. Yeah. yeah, it felt really weird not to wake up and and watch. Uh, it felt really weird to wake to, to not have something to wake up to yeah. Saturday and Sunday morning to watch. So yeah, no Fulham even at all this week. I will say regarding football manager though. I am jealous of you, Caleb. You probably have one of my favorite football manager career tales. You you took the the mighty York City, I think is who it was, up to up to the heights of the Premier League. Isn't that right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we started at the bottom and uh crawled our way up through my genius management to consecutive Premier time Premier League titles. Um and yeah, York uh last summer was uh well, for about 15 seasons, was a pretty dominant force. So I'm just, I mean, I'm just saying I think my talents are being wasted here in, in Georgia and <laughs> journalism. I've got a keen eye for uh, for uh, English football management. So I'm, I'm available. I'm a free agent for anybody listening. Well, someone who isn't, at least according to last week, is, is Jordan, who's, I guess you've taken over the Newcastle manager, managerial duties um, after your trip to Newcastle, and they've, they've sort of crowned you king. Which I guess means that if things continue to go pear shaped, we can just blame you. But how do you get through international breaks, Mister Tune Manager? Well, Adam, usually I have my other love, uh, American professional football, to keep me depressed as well, because I unfortunately <laughs> happen to be a Dallas Cowboys fan. But alas, since the season does not start till Thursday, does start this there Thursday. wasn't much, doesn't much, uh, wasn't much news on that front. Now. I will say, uh, seeing that Zach Martin on Sunday afternoon tested positive for COVID and had to enter the protocols, and so he will not be playing on a Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, brought back that depressing spirit I missed. Uh, but what I do during international breaks when there is no club football, uh, I watch bad uh, uh, CBS serial dramas. 
Um, wife loves Law and Order SVU, so that is constantly on our TV as background fodder. But myself, currently, I have been doing a deep dive into the early seasons of Criminal Mind. Nice. That's a good one. I enjoy it. I enjoy it too. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 solid background background TV. Yes. Yes. It's nothing. It's nothing that's going to really uh, you know truly you know capture the magi- uh, imagination. It's not legacy TV. It's not Breaking Bad. It's not The Wire. It's not The Sopranos. Yeah. But it's just something to have on. I did find myself last night since there were no highlights or no review shows or anything like that to watch or nothing to uh, to review. I, f- I found myself just delving into some old "Everybody Loves Raymond" because we all need to laugh. Um, so I, I feel you there. But there was action in the past week, even though it was not Premier League action or any other league action for that matter. The U.S. Men's National Team had a couple of games. Uh, it started out, I believe, on Thursday. Was it Friday? Thursday, I think it was, uh, goalless in San Salvador as the U.S. Men's National Team started out this um, oct- octagonal, I think is the way you say it. There are eight teams in the CONCACAF qualifying now, basically, instead of six. Um, plenty of overreaction to that draw um, on Twitter, which I'll talk about here in a minute. But And then uh, 1-1 against Canada. Uh, this was last night, so Sunday night. Brendan Aronson, a.k.a. the Salzburg reincarnation of Jesse Marsh, Open the scoring, but uh, former Orlando City man Kyle Laren, who is at Besiktas now, scored off of Alfonso Davies' assist. So the Canadians struck back. Um, only Mexico, who have won twice, and Panama have wins from this opening round of CONCACAF uh, octagonal round games. The remaining teams have draws. Costa Rica, Jamaica, the only unlucky ones to have suffered defeats. So I can imagine U.S. fans not being tremendously thrilled by two opening draws. However, I will say this. I remember pre-2018 World Cup qualifying failure, and I think you know in past generations, I hated going when we went to Costa Rica. We went to El Salvador, Honduras, Panama. I mean, these are tough, tough games. Usually, I, my, my general rule is if you're going on the road and you go to the, to the Caribbean, so Jamaica, Trinidad, and Tobago, places like that, Generally speaking, thumbs up. You're going to do okay. If the U.S. men's national team has to go to Central America, and Mexico's it's an entirely other thing, but if, if the U.S. men's national team has to go to Central America, there's going to be some bullshit, and you're just going to have to put up with it. But I, I do think, you know, I, I'm not necessarily too upset, and I think we have a tendency to overreact when the U.S. team say does not win against El Salvador, which I think is a nation that Americans tend to think, oh, we should be able to handle them. But it's just so, I mean, it's nuts down there. I th- and I think part of it, unfortunately, is just that the U.S. performed really well, in, you know, obviously um, in the Gold Cup and, and they're ranked highly in the FIFA rankings. And so I think there's just an assumption that we should roll over those teams. And this is just kind of a reminder that, A, these are difficult matches, and B, nobody's done tremendously well other than Mexico. And then C, um, you know, this is, it's not like this is a U.S. men's national team that's played together a lot so far because, you know, there were some players who hadn't really featured a lot um, for this team. Um, some have been out for COVID. Some didn't play in the Gold Cup. Um, Canada's tougher this year than maybe ever before. Yeah, they were good. And it's not like... 
And, yeah, and it's not like America was crushing teams in the Gold Cup either. So, I mean, I think two draws in the first two matches is not the worst thing in the world. Obviously, Unfortunately, you broke up a little bit there, Caleb, but you, I think we got the, the general gist of, of what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this it's early days. Like you said, this is the team that hasn't played together a whole lot, and this is not a team that has been through a World Cup qualifying cycle yet. They they don't have a whole lot of exposure. You know, they played these teams, but they played them in the United States. They played them in big stadiums. They haven't had to go to you know an uneven pitch in San Salvador with a full house, dealing with the weather, dealing with the hostility, dealing with the you know Christian Pulisic. He's I mean he didn't play in this game, but just as an example, I mean players like Christian Pulisic, they're used to playing in nice stadiums with good dressing rooms and nice training pitches and and you know the weather is is tolerable at the very least so you know i i it's a it's a it can be a bit of a culture shock for some of these guys who are used to playing in in europe and places like that so um and i i was reminded you know as i saw the overreactions coming in on twitter on, on the, the other night against el salvador um, of 2006, where you know the U.S. men's national team went into the World Cup in Germany off of the highs of 2002, and I think there was this thought that they were going to continue to build on that and and use this golden generation to really propel the sport. And you know they went out, they took a big loss to the Czech Republic, um, battled hard against Italy, and then they came up against Ghana. And I think the idea was, well, there's no way that we can that we can lose to Ghana because it's Ghana. There's this. I think U.S. fans kind of have a hard time. And it's just, I think it's the nature of Americans. I think we have a hard time connecting that this is a sport that we are so young in. And even though we have good facilities, good, you know, youth programs, we have college programs, we have a setup, we have this big professional league with money in it. It's a hard time to accept that we would lose to teams where we feel like that's, their infrastructure isn't maybe as good or as solid. But it's not about that. It's about the legacy of playing. It's about you know the way you come into games, um, and and you know I th- I think the loss to Ghana in two thousand and six created this big overreaction. I think people were more upset about that than the thrashing that took the Czech Republic in the opening game. And I don't know. Do you agree, Jordan? I, I feel like we have a tendency to overreact on these things just because we think because we are America we should be better than this simply because we are American. That's just not the case. Well, I agree with you. Uh, What was once referred to as the hexagon of doom uh, has always loomed large in, uh, you know, American soccer minds because I mean, you are, you are right. Going to El Salvador, going to Costa Rica, Going to you know Central America for the most part, it's we get their best every single time. Yeah, there is no you know uh, lackadaisical play from the Costa Ricans or the El Salvadorians because, and unfortunately for us, we are the big dogs. In, in, in CONCACAF, it is us in Mexico. 
Uh, I believe we, uh, I believe Mexico has won maybe one more gold cup than us, but we are the second place all time in uh, gold cups won, you know, since the beginning of the tournament. So, um, so yeah, we're going to get everyone's bets and, you know, we still do not have what I would consider a competent soccer federation. I feel like a lot of places that have, you know, good fields, um, you know, high quality equipment, high quality coaches are still in the pay for play format, which is not conducive to growing the sport nationally and getting the best talent out of a, out of a nation of 300, you know, 30 million people. Some families might not have the access to that capital needed to, you know, get on a travel a travel soccer team. So, yeah, I mean, the, I feel like we're, yeah, go ahead. I feel like we're fine. Um, having not lost is the best outcome so far. I feel like with you know with only securing one point out of two games, we'd be in a lot worse position. But this will be a crucial, you know, uh, a crucial time for Burkhalter to really solidify his, you know, his first team and get them playing the way he wants them to. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, I agree. It's, it's a good, a good start. Um, but it doesn't get much easier to go to Honduras, um, on September, actually, they go to Honduras on Wednesday, so we're not over yet, um, and that's going to be a uh, 9:05 Central Time kickoff on Paramount Plus. Uh, and then in October, it's they host Jamaica, they play Panama, then they play Costa Rica. Yeah, these the three game you know qualifying is also kind of tough. I think you you fit they used to fit two games into this break, and now they're fitting three, um, which is also going to make it a little bit more difficult. Um, which also applies to uh, the next team I want to talk about, which is England. Um, this is an English football podcast. Uh, they were in action this past week. I, I think two two big wins. I mean, 4-0 against Hungary on the road is pretty huge and a, definitely a, a hostile atmosphere there. I don't know if people saw the pictures and um, some accusations of some racist chanting, which Hungary... <laughs> Never. Anyways, um, then they came back to Wembley and beat uh, Andorra by four goals to nil. Uh, Lingard getting on the board. Kane with the penalty. Saka with the great goal uh, about five minutes from time. They faced Poland, England do, on Wednesday in Warsaw. And that's going to be on ESPN Plus at 1.45 Central Time. So England's World Cup qualifying campaign continues. They could take a big step toward qualification Um with a win against Poland, <clears throat> like I said on Wednesday, and then I want to I want to get to this. And Jordan, you've kind of you've you brought this to my attention. Um, so uh, in Conmebol in South American action, Brazil was supposed to play Argentina yesterday in a big time World Cup qualifying match down there, and about seven minutes into it, uh, Brazilian health officials stormed onto the field in protest of four Argentinian players who they said should have been in quarantine 
And also they accused of lying on their official papers, I guess, to get into the country of Brazil in the first place. So the the accusations center around the Premier League players, uh, Giovanni Lo Celso, Christian Romero, both of Tottenham Hotspur, Emmy Martinez, who's the Aston Villa goalkeeper, and Emiliano Buendia, also at Aston Villa. Now, Buendia did not play in this particular match, but he is still part of the squad, and he was a part of um, the, the questions. So basically what they're saying is that because they were in the U.K., for 14 days prior to arriving in Brazil, they should have been in quarantine. And we talked last week about how the UK has essentially put Brazil on the red list of countries and said that Premier League players can, or Premier League teams can prevent their players from going to that country because of its status um, in terms of their COVID situation. Um, Messi was questioned about this after um, they had suspended the game and then officially postponed it um he asked kind of you know why why was it seven minutes into the match they had to do this they had been at the stadium for an hour argentina had they knew who was going to play why not stop this beforehand why wait until the match was on and if the match was already on why stop it i mean it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense and this just feels weird to me i don't know i mean i get the quarantine rules i get all that stuff but it does feel odd that brazilian officials had to come onto the pitch and stop this one minutes into the match i just find that very strange and and hard to believe that they got past the system or whatever it is this easily yeah um (laughs) anything involving the brazilian government uh in the past year or so uh is uh is and uh was very fishy uh it could this could be seen as a a tit for tat with the english you know uh you know english government you know red listing brazil uh this could be seen as tit for tat with argentina uh you know as we know you know they take football really seriously down there and did, did it rub Brazilian officials the wrong way to see uh, their uh, international rival Argentina uh, raise the uh, Copa America in Brazil with Messi winning his first international trophy in his, in his storied career? Yeah, I just I wonder what more is behind this. Like I said, I, I find it I'm with Messi. I find it hard to believe that this came up so late that they had to invade the pitch literally to stop this game from going forward. So, um, uh, this is interesting goings on down in South America. Obviously, this is something Common Ball will have to uh, take seriously and, and take some appropriate action on, which of course means that they won't, but we will, uh, we'll stay on top of that. Um, so, before we talked about it on the last show, but, but during the time between the recording of the last show and the recording of this show, we had transfer deadline day. Um, Peacock went all out. NBCSN had their show. Uh, they were showing Sky Sports News all day, which, of course, they do just crazy insanity um, on deadline day. And there were a lot of a lot of deals, a lot of – actually, I, I was I, – I read something ahead of this that suggested that because of Brexit, which makes it – a little bit more difficult for players to come into the UK and play because they have to sign a bunch of forms now and go through all these different processes that would not have applied had the uh, UK remained in the EU, but hey, you voted for it. Anyways, um, so I, I really wasn't sure what to expect, but 
the, I think the, the biggest deal, other than Cristiano Ronaldo officially signing for Manchester United, obviously that was a big deal, but the biggest um, deal that went through on deadline day throughout, I think, was Saul, who went from Atletico Madrid to Chelsea on a season-long loan. I mean, this is a pretty big pickup for for Chelsea. Um, a, a already strong midfield gets even stronger. Um, I mean, this could this could actually make a pretty big difference. I think both in the Champions League and in the Premier League. Yeah, uh, it was huge to see uh, Saul uh, move from Atletico Madrid uh, to Chelsea. Uh, given that you know, Atletico Madrid is in Atletico Madrid is in the middle of the title defense uh, in La Liga, and they had just recently, uh, you know, bolstered their attack uh, in bringing back uh, the uh, the the short the short Frenchman Antoine Griezmann back on loan from Barcelona. Um, that's its own own. Ugh, that's that's just such a. That's just insane. And, uh, good Lord. Um, by the way, Jordan, I, I, another deal that I thought was kind of interesting, um, and then I'll take it to you, Caleb, for some, some Fulham stuff, because I, I want a quick update on their their transfer dealings and kind of how you felt about them this summer. But um, Solomon Rondon, he's back. He has gone on a free to Everton. He essentially replaces Moise Keane, who left to rejoin Juventus, which I think was a good move for him. But, uh, Jordan, how do you feel about... Mr. Rondon back in the Premier League, and and now I guess, I mean you're going to come up against him. Um, fan favorite, uh, favorite of mine, Solomon Rondon. Even though he's on the other side of thirty, I believe he's thirty two at this point right now. Oh, he's still um, he's still quality though. He was an amazing number nine for Newcastle under Rafa Benitez. Held up the ball very well able to get a goal when when needed um everything that joe ellington is not at this point and he came in on a free that you have further you know it, it just boggles my mind that a player of that quality who is you know you know a uh, proven premier league player because he was with west brom long before uh he, he has a short stint at newcastle just you know slips by teams that are needing goals i mean uh burnley could have fit in well there uh in that 4-4-2 because he could hold the ball up he could also he, he, uh he could also he's also strong in the air newcastle uh he would have been a great backup for callum wilson uh you know better than better than joe ellington for sure uh, arsenal he would have been healthy um and, <laughs> yeah. and he would have given them he would have given them an option that they really kind of don't have uh, with the Bamiyang and Lacazette, which is just a bigger, more physical striker. Yeah. Um, shrewd bit of business by Everton. Uh, yet again, they have somehow bolstered their team with only spending like two million pounds in the entirety of this transfer window. Rafa has had a very good window, and Rondon, I think, is going to be a very good backup to Dominic Calvert-Lewin and really provide um, some help there. Um, before I want to I go on any further, I do want to bring in Caleb. Um, obviously, the transfer window is closed. Fulham have done quite well in the championship so far. 
Um, and and this will be kind of a chance to talk about that as well. But how did you feel about Fulham's win- window and and um, you know how they've prepared themselves for this challenge in the in the championship? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and if I'm if I break up, I apologize. I'll, I'll That's come okay. back on. Um, I'm going through the uh, Alabama city of Birmingham. Is how they pronounce it down here. Um, so, just to speak of like um, you know EFL championship transfer window, it was not a very busy window. There wasn't a lot of money that was spent. Um, depending on how you break things down. You know, Fulham spent a significant percentage of the total money spent by EFL championship teams. Interesting. Um, now, some of that's complicated because, like, payments to Harry Wilson, we won't start paying for him for a while. Um, there's, uh, you know, we sold uh, some players. We had some players leave on free. So it's, it's kind of complex. But other championship fans... Are will bring up the fact that Fulham is basically spending more, or or more than any other any other uh, championship team, and quite possibly more than the rest of the championship combined. So um, that's just a little bit of of, of championship uh, uh, transfer window talk there. But um, Fulham's best wins were obviously were before the window, before tri- uh, deadline day. I mean, keeping Mitrovic, bringing in Wilson. Um, you know, those were kind of the key moves, uh, bring in, uh, uh, Muniz, um, who's kind of, a, a, a number 10, um, someone who's going to push, um, Mitrovic a bit and back him up. Um, that was, that was big. Uh, they brought a couple other players, Nathaniel Chalba and Domingo Skinia from Watford. Yeah. Um, both have experience under Silva before. So you can definitely tell that Silva is kind of bringing in players who he knows and trusts and who he's managed before, which is great. Um, so, yeah, so Fulham's deep in pretty much every position. The one thing that um, we were trying to do um, before the close of the window was get some depth at right back um, because apparently um, Silva is not very happy. doesn't believe that Cyrus Christie is going to be part of the team and uh, Tete is banged up. Um, but truth be told, we got plenty of depth there with Dennis Doy and Steven Sessegnon. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is a team. Fulham is too deep at every position right now, which is a tremendous place to be at this level of football. They're top of the table. Um, and I don't see that changing very much over the course of the season, thanks to a tremendous transfer window. The only only player we really lost was um, Iguisa. Yeah. Um, he went to Napoli. Um, but that was always going to happen. So yeah, yeah, and you know, hey, haters going to hate. You know, I mean, you, you've got you've got a good setup there, and and just doing what what you need to do to to get back in the Premier League. That's the goal. So I mean, they the Championship clubs and fans they can say what they want, but I mean that's just kind of the way that this business works. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, at the end of the day, they're I mean, Fulham is trying to get back to the top, and in a in a year where owners are being kind of you know, tight fists with money for obvious reasons. The fact that the cons are paying out to me, I mean, you know, you want that from your ownership. You want them to, and these are smart purchases. You know, they're not, when Fulham went up the first time a couple of years ago, they, you know, Tony Khan in particular kind of had some bad windows. They kind of overspent and yeah. bought the wrong kinds of players. And, 
you know, this is clearly an ownership group that has, that has learned their lessons, and so they made some smart purchases. And I think ultimately that's good for, you know, English football if, if, if you know, teams and management groups and ownership groups are making smart purchases and investing in their teams. That can't be a bad thing. And that I, I do like the pickup of, of Nathaniel Chalaba. I think he's he's someone who can kind of uh, replicate what Dominic Calvert-Lewin did. Or not Dom, oof, not him. The other double bear name, um, uh, I'm going blank. Help me, <laughs> Ruben uh, Loftus Cheek. Ruben Loftus Cheek. Ruben Loftus Cheek. Oh, Ruben Loftus. Yes, yeah, I think yeah, he can Ruben replicate. Yeah, he yeah. I think he can replicate yeah. what you guys, what he, what I think Chalaba can replicate what Loftus Cheek did for you last season. Um, of course, he stayed at Chelsea, and uh, and Torchell has kind of said he's. He's a part of the uh, uh, the setup there, so so yeah, fantastic window for Fulham. Part of my goal for this podcast is to make it the premier place for Fulham news and analysis. So I think we're we're well on our way to that. Um, uh, a few more. I think the lads over at the uh, I think the lads over at the Fulhamish podcast would want to work with us. Okay, but we're, we're definitely <laughs> the, the top place for uh, for Fulham news west of uh, I, I guess this side of the Atlantic. We'll, we'll put it there. Yeah, the, the premier American place. We'll, we'll we'll say that the premier American place for Fulham FC analysis and news. Um, uh, hey guys, yes. Uh, late breaking U.S. men's national team news: um, Serginio Dest is out versus Honduras, uh, ankle, and oh, Weston McKinney has been sent home. He will not play against Honduras. He's been sent back to Italy. Did they give a reason? for that uh they they said violating team protocol oh, good Lord. which this has been a problem with him because uh, he has violated uh uh italy's covid protocol in the past couple weeks while playing for juventus and now has violated covid protocol while playing for the men's national team so he has been sent home well it's not promising news going up against a very difficult honduras side so um Good update. Nice, nice live. We're, we're doing it live. Thank you, Jordan, for, for cutting in about that. Um, uh, real quick, some more transfer deadline day signings. Uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu, the right back from Bologna. Well, I, th- I actually think he can play along pretty much anything in the defensive back line, which is good for Arsenal because they desperately need it. But he went from Bologna to Arsenal. Um, Hector Bellerin went the other way. He has gone on loan to <clears throat> Real Betis for the season. I thought this was a really good pickup. Um, it had been rumored all, well, I don't want to say all summer, but for several weeks. Odson Edward, uh, who has left Celtic, he's joined Crystal Palace on a four-year deal. That's a permanent one. So uh, some more striking power there for, for Palace and maybe somebody a little bit better than Christian Benteke to throw up top. Um, so that's good news for Patrick Vieira's side and the guys in South London. Alex Crowell. Let's let's talk West Ham. I thought they had a couple of good, just really really good signings. Um, you know, it's been a frustrating summer. We haven't seen a whole lot out of uh, West Ham. They picked up um, oh Kurt Zuma uh, a few days before the deadline, um, and so that's going to be good. That's nice cover at center back. But Nikola Vlasic. Uh, who a former attacking mid- midfielder from Everton and now an ace for Croatia. He has joined. Um, there's obviously one to striker at West Ham. 
Um, well, we weren't quite able to, I think, get one. However, I do think Vlasic can play in that position. So um, possibly a really, really good move. But definitely, I think uh, everybody's happy to see him uh, come to the club. He's been doing some good stuff um, for... Oh, I think he's been in Russia. Um, one player who definitely has been in Russia, Alex Kral, uh, Spartak Moscow midfielder. He has joined West Ham on loan, and the big deal about that is he was a part of the Czech Republic team that did so well at the Euros, and of course he joins Sufal and Sushek. Um, so adding another one there to the to the Czech mates. So ended up being a good a good window um, for West Ham. Here's kind of an interesting one. Uh, Emerson Royale, uh, I think that's how you say his name. So, so this is a, a another right back. He joins Tottenham from Barcelona, and supposedly it was forced upon him because he gave an interview afterwards telling about how he it was just, it was a soul crushing. Those were his words. Move uh, to have to move away from Barcelona. So I guess he had signed. I don't know if it was this summer or the last window, but he he basically signed and, and was like, "Yeah, we'll pay you, and we'll you know you can play and all this stuff." And then because of their financial situation, Barcelona said, "Okay, we have to we have to sell you. We don't have a choice." And he very quickly went to Tottenham. So it, it was just kind of a a weird situation there. But I don't know. It's it, not a great thing when you hear the player you just signed say that having to move away from his previous club was soul crushing. So interesting there. To be, to be fair, no, nobody wants to play for Tottenham. That's very so true. Kane wanted to get out. This is so crushing to be there. And you know what? They're going to just keep winning 1-0 matches over and over. So <laughs> they don't care. They'll take they don't, You don't have to want to play there to win. That's very true. Um, Serge Aurier, uh, uh, this, this kind of, the move kind of worked out because he left um, Spurs by mutual consent. They just said, you know what? We'll cancel your contract. He was like, okay. And so he is a free agent. I don't think he's moved to a new club yet, although I suspect someone's going to pick him up. He's not a bad not a bad player. Um, uh, Adam Ola-Lukman, former Everton player, who's now at uh, RB Leipzig, he has joined Leicester City on loan, so a good pickup there, Leicester, uh, getting that winger. Um, uh, all- he, uh, he, he, he was pretty – he also on loan. Yes. He was loaned up to Fulham uh, and performed pretty well for us on – I believe on that left side, so um, that's a good, that's definitely a good move. I think he's a, a quality um, winger. Yeah, no, the very I, I totally forgot when you started to when, when I when I heard the uh, the road signs by. I was just like, oh yeah, he was a Fulham player. Um, uh, Dennis Pryat uh, also uh, with Leicester. Well, actually, he's not anymore. He left. He went on loan to Torino. Um, Brighton. Uh, they they did some business. They they signed a left back Mark Cucurella from Hitafe on a permanent deal. Uh, later in the day, they also signed Abdallah Sima um, from Sparta Prague. He was a pretty hot a uh, he's a, it's a he's a striker. So he was a pretty hot product actually this summer. A lot of people talking about him. I had heard that there's so, well some West Ham fans were excited at the prospect that he might come to their club but he signs for Brighton but then he immediately went out on loan to Stoke City so i guess good job Stoke City picking up a striker somehow through uh through Brighton not really sure why why that happened i, I feel like Brighton could use some help in that that area but whatever um the other big big news about Manchester United on deadline day, other than Cristiano Ronaldo coming in, is that Dan James has left. He has joined 
Leeds United. Um, uh, finally getting payback for that uh, for that Eric Cantona transfer that we we took from several years ago. Um, no, but so so good luck to Dan uh, being in that team. And now this one, Jordan. I want to I want to bring it to you. So so Santiago Munoz. Uh, he's an under twenty, uh, a Mexican under twenty three international. He was at Santos Laguna. He has joined Newcastle, and the big deal about this, and even the the Newcastle Twitter folk um, made mention of this. So I don't know if if anybody here on this pod remembers, but there was a movie back in I want to say two thousand and five called Goal uh, colon The Dream Begins, and it involved a young American. Or um, I think it was Mexican American um, player, uh, going from the streets of I want to say Los Angeles to Newcastle and making his way there. And of course, they had a sequel I think where he went to Real Madrid. But it was a huge deal because there were like a lot of big name players who agreed to appear. Like it had the sign off from FIFA, so like Zidane was in it, Beckham was in it. Um, you know, a lot of the, the, the Newcastle players at the time, like Kieran Dyer, I think, was in it. Um, uh, Alan Shearer was in the movie, like, made appearances. Um, and so, and that player's name, the character's name in that movie is Santiago, Santiago Munez. And so now you have Santiago Munoz joining Newcastle. And my understanding is that there were some fans who were unhappy. They felt like this was a PR stunt by the club. Considering we have a Newcastle fan among us, Jordan, how do you feel about this deadline day action by your club? Do you feel like it's a PR move, or, or is this is this a good pickup? Um, <clears throat> after countless hours of watching various YouTube highlight videos... I thought you were going to say after with, watching Goal several times over. <laughs> uh, no, uh, with watching you know various YouTube highlight packages... Um, with upbeat, somewhat uh, kind, you know, electronic pop behind it. The the, uh, the kid looks good. Okay. I mean, I mean he, I mean he, he has some evident skill. I am just wondering why would you bring in another striker? when there are clearly other positions that you could have that needed more immediate help on deadline day. Uh, you mean like, Sal, Sal, you mean like, Sal, Oh, I was going to say, you mean like Solomon Rondon? <laughs> you know, Solomon, no, no, I'd have actually preferred Solomon Rondon. Yeah. Uh, just because, I mean, he is a proven premier league player at this point and, um, he could, I mean, he could, he could play in this, in this three, five, two, um, or this five, three, two, I was thinking wing back. I was thinking actually bring in some fullbacks. Uh, you know, speaking of fullbacks, uh, Serge Aurier is still out there. Now, I mean, he was to Tottenham what Granite Jaka is is still to Arsenal, which is a red card wedding to happen because he is just a hothead on the pitch for some unknown reason. Um, but I would love to see him in the Newcastle black and white. He'd be an immediate upgrade over uh, Jacob Murphy, Javier Minkio. Uh, anyone we have at right back right now for sure. Um, and you were, it, it, it seemed the, I was at first confused by the signing because 
I saw a lot of people, you know, you know, asking if this is from the from a plot of a movie, not knowing what goal, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, was about. It, but it, it did it, occupy it, it, it occupied a, a, a niche spot on <laughs> it, it occupied a niche spot on the market for sure. Um, it is eerily similar though. Yeah, it about, is. About, <laughs> because I believe he was. He, I believe the uh, the player who was a, a Mexican American actually did play for Santos Laguna as well. Oh, okay. That is weird. Yeah. Um, I think it'd I, be fun. I, I think you know what for how young he is. Yeah, he might be a great player in the championship for us next year. Oh my god, who knows? Well, the hope I think is that he will help you avoid the championship next year. Um, but if not, he can we can wave to Caleb on the way down. Um, and then uh, Burnley had a, I think a, a good pickup. Uh, they got Connor Roberts, a right back uh, from Swansea, on a permanent deal. Um, I think Burnley fans maybe would have been hoping for something different, but uh, there you go. So, so that was deadline day. Um, you know, some exciting moves, some not so exciting moves. Um, I, I'll wrap it up just with this. It's not Premier League related, um, but Kylian Mbappe, of course. So the rumor I think going into deadline day was that he was going to make the move to Real Madrid. They were. I think open to offering up like 200,000 euros or something like that. 200, well, 200,000, 200 million euros to PSG to bring in Mbappe. Supposedly that's what he wants to do. He wants to leave. He's got a year left on his contract, meaning if he doesn't sign a new one next summer, he gets to go for free. And so PSG were faced with the choice. They could either take the 200 million and run um, and, and, you know, try and make another deadline day deal or they could say no and see him leave for free next summer and that's for some reason what they chose to do um look far be it from me uh you know I, I'm, I'm not at the top of the psg hierarchy but i think when a player wants to leave and he has the kind of leverage of well either i leave for free next summer or you can sell me now and reinvest I would think you choose the latter option. Just seems like good business, but so next summer, Colin now, Kylian Mbappe to Real Madrid on a free. Um that that's probably gonna happen. Just 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 a hunch. Adam, if you wanna do a friendly wager here, <laughs> uh I am more than welcome to take it because I think if he's going to leave on a free, why would you go to a team that is so cash strapped that they are still a part of the European Super well, League? Supposedly, they are not cash strapped. They were prepared to offer uh, 200 million euros for him. So, I mean, uh, Florentino Perez maybe seems to be telling some, some porky pies. Uh, if I'm killing Mbappe. I head to the city of Manchester, and I head to the blue side of Manchester. I head to Manchester City because you would be exactly what that team is lacking, which is a striker, a number, a true out and out striker. Is he though? Um, he plays on the left. I mean, he do, he he is, but I believe he occupies that Ronaldo space right now, which is that 
that start on the left, but you could you come in kind of striker. I don't see him as a tr- as as much of a true winger as I think you tend to do. Um, but more importantly, it looks like bad business on the face. You know, losing out on a potential two hundred million euro, uh, you know, uh, cash grab is is bad is bad in the financial sense. But with what the Qataris are doing with PSG in terms of you know uh, goodwill through football, so to speak, huh. uh, you just signed you know one of the two greatest players of modern times on a free. Yeah. You still have Neymar. When healthy, you have one of the deepest and most potent attacking squads in all of, you know, European football. I would roll the dice and, you know, if he leaves for free, so be it. But your one goal since, since you know, the Qatari, the, the, the Qataris have taken over PSG is to win the Champions League. And they've always fallen short. See what you can do. Roll the dice and hope you could win it. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, you've got this, this set up now, so why, why break it up? Yeah, and also I think they can afford to do that. And also, I mean, just think of how good it's going to be when uh, they're lining up with uh, with Harry Kane up top next season. Um, <laughs> I, I, for some reason, there's a part of me who thinks that's going to happen. Um, all right, let's 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 do a quick segment here. Um, let's get into some Premier League talk uh, as we as we round out the 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 podcast here this week. Um, I'm, I'm calling this the Premier League so far in review. Obviously, we've only had three weeks, but this is a good time. It's international break to consider perhaps some some things that's, that have played out that maybe you didn't think were going to happen. Maybe some amendments to the initial predictions and thoughts you had on this season. So I got two questions here I want us all to answer. I'm going to start with Caleb, um, and then we'll go to Jordan, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give mine on this one. So... What has been, in these first three weeks of the Premier League season, the biggest surprise to you, Caleb? If you can hear me. There you go. There he is. Yes. I can. I'm here. You hear the dulcet tones of the highway? That's uh, nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, um, I would say the biggest surprise for me is that Tottenham is top of the table and Harry Kane is still there. And they and he and he didn't start the season with him. So if you told, I think if you, I think if if you told me at the beginning of the, of the season we did kind of our predictions that Tottenham would be would be top of the table, they'd still have Harry Kane, and he didn't lead them to those three victories. I would have been surprised by all three of those things, um, in different on different levels. So that's probably the most surprising thing in my opinion. That's a very good one. Tottenham have have kept that together, and I, I think a lot of people now will perhaps be amending where they saw Spurs going this season. Although they did look good in those first few games without him, but yeah, that, that's a good one. Jordan, your, your biggest surprise um, in these first three weeks of the Premier League so far? My biggest surprise, and we're going to take it back to North London, is 
Arsenal at the bottom of the table. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, uh, which was just three weeks ago, I believe we had Arsenal comfortably mid-table, not quite, you know, challenging for, you know, top six. And, you know, you know, Europa Conference, Europa League, Champions League. But they were in the in, in the mix. They were, you know, with the sitting with the West Ham's, sitting with the Everton's, uh, sitting with sitting with the Aston Villa, uh, the Aston Villas, you know, solidly, you know, solid, solidly mid table. But where, what and where do we do to uh, what what do we do to get up the table? Uh, and the bottom has just literally fallen out. Um, their their defense is a shambles. It's somehow worse than Newcastle, <laughs> uh, which which says something. Now Newcastle also hasn't faced Manchester City. Uh, you know, facing facing City uh, would would you know would darken anyone's um, uh, you know goal difference. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, my uh, my biggest surprise so far has been just the absolute shambles of Arsenal FC. Yeah, uh, I I think we uh, I think people maybe thought it was going to go one way or another. Either Arsenal were going to kick on and and you know oh it looks like Arteta knows what he's doing or more of the same from last season and this start has exceeded all those expectations, but in the complete opposite direction. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk a little bit about Arsenal in, uh, in top shelf picks, which is coming up. Um, for me, I, I honestly, I think the biggest surprise, um, and I feel like I can say this is the play of, of West Ham United. Um, I know it's a bit of a homer answer. It is my club, but I, I think after the, the heights of last season, there was an expectation that there would be a coming down this season, um, and it wouldn't be as, you know, it wouldn't quite be the same. Now, obviously, the Europa League is still to come, but it's hard. It's it's hard to maintain that in multiple seasons, um, and you could argue that the introduction of Jesse Lingard was, was a big catalyst for that last season, and not having him this season, what it was going to look like, but I mean, Mikhail Antonio has done phenomenally. Uh, Pablo Fornals, you could say, probably got his Spain call up in this international week strictly because of the play that he uh, that he has produced at West Ham in these opening three weeks. He's looked fantastic. Said Ben Rama has looked good defensively, a little bit shaky, um, but the you know Chilwell and, and Sufal on the flanks have looked good, and we've only gotten stronger. I think we've strengthened the midfield now. Um, we, uh, Vlasic, I think, is going to add something to the attack. We've got some depth now. Kurt Zuma, obviously, coming in defensively. So I was, I've been very impressed and happy, um, for the most part, with the play of West Ham, and I was surprised at how how quickly that translated uh, in these first three weeks. It's a long season. The Europa League is going to take a toll, but I'm I'm very pleased with uh, with the way that Moyes and Co have handled these opening three weeks. So, so that, that's mine. Um, and now, so, so based, and you can base it on, on the, you, you know, your biggest surprise or, or make it a completely different answer, but any amendments to your initial thoughts on this season, obviously we sort of had some predictions. Um, 
you know, any, anything you might want to take this time to just amend and change a little bit and say, you know what, maybe I was wrong about this, um, or maybe not, and, and you can justify that as well. But uh, Jordan, I'll, I'll give this to you first. Any amendments to your initial predictions or thoughts on the season before we get started with game week four later in this week? If you could refresh me, Adam, if you have my predictions. Um... <laughs> I, I don't. I was hoping you would remember. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm it doesn't have to be officially. Interested... It could just be like a. I had a feeling about this, and maybe that feeling was not so good. Um, like it doesn't have to be only... official. official. The only the only thought I have currently in terms of my predictions and whether or not I would amend them is I feel like the title race will be a lot tighter this year yeah. than expected. Uh, with City not getting the number nine they need, which has clearly been evident um, when they face teams with a uh, with a competent defense. When, like I said, when they face the relegation side. Uh, they just pile on the goals, seeing Norwich and Arsenal. Um, the, I, I believe any team that's named Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester United, or City have a legitimate chance at the title this year. Um, odds say that City, with the deep, you know, having the deepest squad, arguably, um, are still going to, you know, retain the title. Um, but with the additions everyone has made, whether through signings or just getting players healthy again, this is going to be a fun season. Um, the top four, I honestly could be decided by less than 10 points collectively, which, um, you know, with past seasons, there's kind of been like a, a really deep drop off between you know first and second then third and fourth um which is unfortunately means there's going to be some true truly talent talented squads that will go uh scalp hunting like leicester city and tottenham that are going to get left on the outside just because i don't i don't believe those squads are deep enough um and on the other end with relegation i still feel like my picks which were uh, Burnley, Norwich, and Newcastle, um, are gonna are gonna come true. Um, I, I feel like those are the the three squads that have um, the most pressing the most the you know the most pressing issues. Yeah. Um, Nor- Norwich being ju- just the fact that they have been the yo-yo club du jour of the past five years with five promotion or you know the past decades with five promotions from the championship to the Premier League and then the other two um, you know one lack of goals with Burnley and with Newcastle lack of defense and just lack of everything uh, for you know coming from the manager on down um, I will say if Arsenal continues in this free fall, if they go if if they go to Norwich this weekend, if they if they get a draw or somehow even lose, um, you know, which is no, uh, I'd say it's my bad. If you know, if Norwich comes to London, if they come to the Emirates and they somehow get a draw or they beat Arsenal at home, um, I that could send Arsenal into a tailspin. 
um, you know, Arteta could be out <laughs> before we get yeah. before we get out of September. Um, but I don't think that they could fall that far, you know, into being serious relegation candidates. Wow. All right. So some tough times ahead, potentially, uh, for Arsenal. I should say even tougher times, because right now, at least, they've got the benefit that it's early early in the season. Caleb, uh, any any amendments you want to make to your, your thoughts on this season, big or small, um, after these first three weeks? Yeah, I actually do want to – I know that I, I think Jordan and I both picked chalk uh, with Man City repeating uh, for the title. Um, and I'd like to change that. My pick to Chelsea, please. Yeah. Um, I think Chelsea has looked like a very deep team, an incredibly talented team, um, and I think they also probably addressed their needs, if you want to put it that way. I, mean, I don't think they had anything particularly particularly pressing, um, but they definitely addressed their weaknesses probably better than any of the other kind of top clubs, although you could argue United did the same thing. But anyway, I, I would say that Chelsea... Um, has surprised me and impressed me with how they've looked, and I think they're going to just continue to get stronger. And so, um, if I were to if I were to have to pick a a, a title winner um, right now, I would say I, I'd like to switch my pick from City to Chelsea. Yeah, I, I'm. That was one of mine. Um, I, I have a few, and I figured you were going to you were children was going to mention that Chelsea look look phenomenal, and I I like what what the way you put it, which was. I don't know that they necessarily needed to make many changes to be stronger, but the fact that they have added Lukaku and they have added Saul, that should be scary to some other Premier League teams. Um, obviously, they still have to, you know, gel together, and I think it, it's going to take some time for Saul to really grow and, and be a part of the team. Maybe it won't, um, but you know, it, it, you have already had some established players in there, and so yeah, I, I agree. I think this is a dangerous looking Chelsea team and at the end of this month fortunately we do get to see Chelsea against Manchester City that's on September the 25th uh, so that one is going to be a lot of fun I think it's at Stamford Bridge um, another thing I, I will say I think ahead of this season I, I picked Manchester United to win the title I agree Jordan I think it's going to be a lot closer um, than even people had predicted at the beginning of the season I, I I'm not as strong on United winning the title now even with the signing of Ronaldo, I don't think he brings. I don't think he's going to bring to them exactly what they needed. Um, I know he plays as a central forward. I know he can do that, and yeah, he's dangerous in the box with the ball. But I just, I don't think. I don't think he is exactly what that team needs right now in terms of the way that they play. And I do think United will continue to struggle to break teams down. And and that might come back to hurt them, um, you know. For Ola's sake, I hope they win a domestic cup because I I, I think it would be uh, bad to see him go after assembling a team like this. Like you said, Jordan it is very tough um, with so many good teams right now, and some people are going to be left out. But but I, I I do think the Ronaldo signing, obviously for United, is very good. I don't think it's going to do for them what they are hoping or what they need. Right now, but my biggest amendment, I think, is I want to apologize to the people of Southampton and Ralph Hasenhuddle because I thought that they were just going to have the hardest time this season. I thought it was relegation, absolutely no doubt. I think I picked them to to go down. 
I'm not going to do that, but I do think they're going to do better this season, and I think they might just be okay. Um, I like the signing of Adam Armstrong, and uh, and he's he's kind of just hit the ground running and uh, sort of immediately replaced Danny Ings uh, alongside Che Adams up there. And, um, and, and yeah, so I, I think he's, he's assembled a good team. And so, uh, less, less, less trouble for Southampton, perhaps this season that I had initially thought. Um, so as we said, the Premier League, thank God is back this week. Uh, we start out on Saturday. And so as far as I can tell, NBC has not released the full schedule of what game's going to be on what channel when yet. I don't know why uh, you would think they do that a week out in advance, but I, I guess they haven't. Anyways, so here's what we have so far. If it changes, I am sorry. Um, all times are Eastern, um, out of respect for Caleb because that's where he lives now. No, um, all times are Eastern just to, just to kind of make it uh, make it standard. But uh, so Saturday, September the 11th, uh, Crystal Palace against Tottenham it starts us off at 7:30 a.m. That should be on NBC Sports Network. Um, Manchester United versus Newcastle. The old, the old, uh, the 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 would be we ate all the pies derby, which is no more. Uh, that is at 10 a.m. Eastern time, and that I think is on USA Network, unless that changes. Um, and then one of these games, and I can imagine the one I would put on NBCSN, um, but one of these games is going to be on NBCSN, and one of them, and the rest of them are going to be on Peacock. So Arsenal Norwich. This is on Saturday. Arsenal Norwich. Brentford versus Brighton, Leicester City versus Manchester City, that'll be a good one, Southampton versus West Ham, and then uh, Watford and Wolverhampton, those are all at 10 a.m., um, and I suspect Leicester and Manchester City are going to be on NBCSN, but I don't know that for sure. Um, the game that will be on NBC, though, uh, Chelsea versus Aston Villa, that's at 12.30 p.m. Um, from Stamford Bridge on NBC slash Peacock. Then on Sunday, a good old... Just a game between good old English teams here. Leeds versus Liverpool, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time on NBCSN. And then on Monday, we get Everton against Burnley at 3 p.m. Also on NBCSN. And that brings us to Top Shelf Picks. You missed it last week. And so we're back. And we will have, so we'll start us out like this. Leicester against Manchester City is our first Top Shelf Pick uh, of this week, so that's going to be on Saturday, September the 11th. It's a it's a 10 a.m. Eastern Time kickoff. Caleb, what will this result be? Leicester, Manchester City. It's a tough one. Um, I would say, give me, give me City two one over Leicester. All right. So a City win says the top shelf picks uh, leader. At the moment, on five points, Caleb. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be tough. Remember, Leicester, um, they did beat Manchester City in the Community Shield, obviously. City playing a lot of youngsters and and some of the fringe guys. But I do think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be a little... Um, I, I think it's going to be a little different to that game. I'm going to say... Oh, give me... Man... You know what? Give me 2-0 to City. I'm just feeling like they're going to shut down Leicester City. Um, you know, I, I think they're still going to take some time to work in Pats and Daka into that attack. He's not quite there yet. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think Leicester gets shut out. City continued to roll. Jordan, what are you thinking is going to happen at the, at, uh, at the, in the East Midlands between Leicester and Manchester City this weekend? 
Uh, real quick, Adam, uh, quick diversion. Uh, I would suggest that we call uh, the any Manchester United versus Newcastle United uh, game uh, the zombie. We ate all the pies, Darby. Okay. Um, but my pick for Leicester City versus Manchester City is that Casper Smeichel will loom large. Uh, he will tower over the city um, – uh, the city, the city attack, uh, and those little, those little, those little city, city attackers, Gabriel Jesus, you know, uh, Riyad Mahrez, um, they will buzz around him, they will circle him, but they will not penetrate his goal. They will not bring down Le- Leicester City on that day. One nil to Leicester City. Wow. All right. Going in the opposite direction. Back in the foxes. Jordan is against the champions. Next up, Arsenal against Norwich, a relegation six-pointer, the one that we all wanted to see. Um, uh, I think, man, this is tough. I'm going to back Arsenal, famous last words. I'm going to say 3-1 to the Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium on Saturday. I think this is finally when they they break their duck and they get out of this, this slump. Jordan. Who are you backing between the Gunners and the Canaries? This is going to be a no-win scenario for <laughs> Arsenal. Um, they are going to uh, go down in flames, so to speak. You know, Lacazette and Aubameyang are not going to uh, be effective. Uh, it's going to be one-one. All right. 1-1, and Caleb, I know we're running up on time, so what is your, your prediction for Arsenal-Norwich? Uh, Arsenal's going to break out in a big way. 4-0 wow. for, for, uh, for Arsenal. Yes, sir. Yeah, I don't hate that pick. I, I think that's a, good, uh, that, that's a good one. And finally, uh, Leeds against Liverpool, like I said, a game between two, two good old-fashioned English teams. This one at Ellen Road. Jordan, you're up first. Who do you th- who, who who are you thinking for Leeds Liverpool? Mm, Leeds Liverpool. I don't well, know. I'm feeling like it's going to be three one Liverpool. Leeds are taking the L at Ellen Road. All right, terrible pun there. Thank you, um, Caleb. <laughs> I, I agree. Three one Liverpool. Oh wow. Really okay. Cool. All right. You know what? I'm. I think this is. I think the cracks are going to start to show in this game. Uh, I'm going to go. Uh, you know what? Why the hell not? I'm going to go two one leads. I think it's going to be a big. I think it's going to be a big afternoon for uh, for for one Dan James. He's gonna he's gonna soak up the. Yeah, it probably still will be sunny. He's gonna soak up the whatever's left of the sunshine there in the north of England, and I think uh, he's gonna power leads to a surprising two one win against. Liverpool. Um, so yeah, and just as a quick reminder, Caleb does lead the top shelf picks uh, with five points. Jordan is on four, and I am on two. So take everything I say uh, with that. And yeah, Premier League's back. Thank you guys both for joining me, especially you, Caleb. I know you're uh, you got some, so you're you're on the road there. But uh, I appreciate the sounds of the deep south um, <laughs> that we got from you this yes, week. Yes, hope- I sh- 
I should be I, I should be safely at home for the next pod. So okay, I great. Everybody putting up with me, <laughs> and I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. See you later, Bye. Jordan. Uh, as always, it was a pleasure. If you want to go ahead and, and sign us off for another week of Premier League action. Let's go eat some pies, guys. Let's go eat some pies. Premier League's back this Saturday, everybody, and we will be back next week to recap it all. Thank you. <laughs>